Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This thing. Look, here we go. This is Paul Hawksby and Eddie Jacobs, and this is the H and J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, uh, we spoke to uh, a man that is a, both a competitive eater and a triathlete. That's not a combination you get very often. Uh, we also spoke to Alistair Campbell, very serious subject, uh, his new book. And uh, what else did we like? Oh, Kenneth yeah, Ferry we liked, didn't we, as oh, well? Yeah, we liked Kenneth Ferry. <laughs> uh, Kenneth Ferry, uh, now the uh, Open is at, uh, US Open is at Winged Foot. He did rather well there last time it was there, as he'll explain. Okay. And uh, clips of the midweek. Yeah. Featuring an old favourite. That's right. Sorry about the phasing. If only we should maybe take a picture of the producer holding a massively long roach pole that he's trying to hang his phone from so he can socially distance. Anyway, here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon again, Fletch. We have some more breaking news. We do, and it's not a wicket flash this time. I'm delighted <laughs> to be able to say. Uh, we know which clubs will be hosting weekend pilot events uh, in the Football okay. League this weekend. Uh, ten EFL clubs will be allowed to permit spectators into Skybet League matches this weekend as part of the ongoing Return to Fans pilot programme. Maximum capacity of 1,000, but I'll tell you the fixtures uh, which you can go to this weekend on the weekend of the 19th and 20th of September in the Championship, Luton Town v Derby. Norwich v Preston North End and Middlesbrough versus Bournemouth in League One Charlton v Doncaster Blackpool v Swindon Shrewsbury v Northampton and Hull City versus Crew Alexandra and in League Two Forest Green Rovers v Bradford Carlisle v Southend and Morecambe versus Cambridge United so all of those fixtures will have fans in the grounds in some form if you want information on tickets and such like I suggest you get in touch with your club via Twitter but fans back in stadiums this weekend very that's encouraging that's good news yeah, good and news, I yeah. suppose people will not go all to... confusing it will be season ticket holders it's all home fans so yeah if you are a season ticket holder of those clubs uh, go to your club website or your social media outlets the yeah. clubs and find out how you can be one of the lucky 1,000 people but that's that's uh, uh, heading in the right direction we hope so yeah small steps and all that anyway well, we'll keep an eye on the cricket this afternoon. We've got plenty of football to get stuck into as well. It means um, they can't attack now. That's the problem. When you lose yeah. early wickets. I mean, it, it, Australia and have been flaky under pressure. 
haven't they, at times, or when... Well, they, you know, no, even, I don't think they have been under pressure. I think they've been flaky when they've been absolutely on top. But then the pressure does games. mount. They lose a couple of wickets yeah. as they did the oh, other yeah, day. Then, then when two becomes five, they, oh, yeah. they went for all money, the didn't Spice they? Spice Girls. Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> it's the Australian Spice Girls, yeah. Flaky, the Flaky Spice. She wasn't in the team. Shaky Spice. Shaky Spice and Flaky Spice. Nervy they, they, Spice. They, they didn't quite, yeah, Nervy Spice. They didn't quite make it. Yeah. And uh, Anthony Taylor, mm. he's been given the Super Cup final. Have you seen this? Yeah, yeah. you're pleased with him, aren't you? Oh, yeah, I hope he does a better mm. job than the Cup final. But there you go, yeah. I'm sure it'll be Is fine. Is David Ellery, does he get 15% of his match I think he might do it. I think he's his agent, isn't he? He's doing very well for him. He's brilliant. Now, I turned on last night for the second half of Burton versus Villa. I couldn't face the whole game. (laughs) Fantastic. uh, There we are. And he's a real football purist. I am. Yes. And uh, even the fake crowd were a bit quiet. Really? Honestly, it was such a, it was like a pre-season game. It was (laughs) a fake crowd. They were. The fake crowd were quiet. I thought perhaps they're not using it tonight, but it was just sort of, they they didn't feel inclined. It was it a low-level hum. Very much so. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> if you pardon the expression. Yeah. Uh, Bale to Spurs is exciting, isn't it? Well, we're going to talk to Terry Gibson about it. You know, you hear all these rumours and you think there's nothing in that. But only when Jonathan Barnett, of course, his agent, said he, he wants the move to happen, we're working very hard on it, that you start to think this could be the case. Because every time this has been discussed mm. before, his agent has said, ridiculous, not happening, he's not going anywhere. So there is some substance to it, but it is a very complicated deal by all accounts and we'll take some working out. And we know if, if Madrid don't get what they want, as, as was the case with China for whatever reason, they'll they'll walk away from it. So they're going to have to tread carefully. But the special relationship that Tottenham had, or have indeed, with Real Madrid, which involves us basically selling our players to them, <laughs> seems to have finally paid off. It's yeah. the, the dialogue between the two clubs. Has, has moved fairly quickly, and Daniel Levy is very keen for this to happen. So I don't uh, we'll get see. the naysayers. I don't get it. I, th- I think uh, <clears throat> it'll be a great signing for Spurs. I still think there's a player, but a different. As we're going to discover mm. from Terry Gibson, he's bound to be a very different kind of player. Yeah, you but know. he's still class. You know. Oh no, he is. I, I've oh, worked it out. I mean, so many teams are vying basically for two positions because you've got City and Liverpool. I can't see anybody overtaking them, and then you've got Spurs, United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Wolves, Everton, Leicester. You know, it's very interesting. You could you could be fourth or ninth. It's quite fascinating. Yeah, I know. It's true. It is pretty tight, isn't it, at the moment? We're going to talk a bit of Leicester with Emil Heskey later on. They're still to do a bit of business, I think. Looking mm. to bring some players in, centre-half, maybe yeah. somebody else up front and all that. So there's still plenty of work to be done at the moment. I was reading the Sunday. Apparently, pillows in the shape of <clears throat> McDonald's chicken nuggets. Oh yeah, are selling really well. Are it's, they? Uh, <laughs> I mean, cushions or pillows. I mean, you would, you'd no, have a novelty cushions, one on your sofa. The pillows. But you wouldn't sleep on one every night, would well, you? Have a look at it online. It's ridiculous. It's a proper pillow, bed pillow. It, it basically it? looks like a large chicken nugget. You, you expect to put your head on it, and oil grease come out. Of it. It's a really strange <laughs> idea. Okay. What a lovely idea. Yes, I don't think I'll bother. Uh, Andy, also, you're not telling me that uh, it's a coincidence that Gareth Bale's considering coming back to uh, English football on the very day that Charlie Adams signs for Dundee. Yes. I mean, all I can imagine is Charlie's at SFA headquarters this afternoon lobbying for the return of the Anglo-Scottish Cup. Come on, Charlie. Make it happen. Those ankle ligaments aren't going to stretch themselves, mate. We need you back down here to put him out for a few weeks. So uh, we'll see. And uh, what else have we got? Brain cells wear out, apparently, when you're bored. So I'm, I'm a bit worried for you in case I'm hoping Spurs football improves. <laughs> yeah, that's the worry. I wouldn't be the only one on that front, of course, this season. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Hawksby and Jacobs uh, here on Talk Sport. Well, uh, Alistair Campbell's been very upfront in the past about his uh, mental health issues. Mm. He's an ambassador for many uh, mental health 
charities. He's now written Living Better, How I Learned to Survive Depression. And he joins us now. Good afternoon, Alistair. Hi, how are you, gentlemen? Yeah, good, we're good, thanks. thank you. Uh, it's very interesting. It's a little section in the book about uh, Burnley. Uh, and, and, and I knew you'd go there. Knew you'd go we're going to come back to it. We are going to come back to it because it's it, it's very interesting um, yeah. and, and in relation to, to your mental health. But what was first up? What was the kind of catalyst for for writing the book? Well, I did a TV documentary a couple of years ago, and you know, as you know, you can. I think it was a one-hour documentary, and we had about sixty odd hours of a film on the cutting room floor, and there was just so much stuff there. And I thought, well, I'll try and use some of the research that I did. But then I also know that publishers are interested in, you know, they want your own story. So I've really, the book's really in two parts. One is about my own story of, of mental health, not just mine, but my brother who had schizophrenia, a cousin who took his own life, a son who's a recovering alcoholic, and, and just kind of where I think some of my issues have come from. And then the second part, I mean, I call it a search for a cure, but it's really just traveling around, talking to people, scientists, medical people, about other ways of dealing with depression, then I concluded by saying how I've, as I say, learned to survive it. And also my partner Fiona has written a chapter about how she's learned to live with me when I'm, you know, not in good shape. So, and I think that the three main purposes for me, one is I hope that people who do get depression get something very specific out of it. There's a lot of kind of very specific ideas in there. The second thing that people who don't get depression who read it maybe understand it better because they're bound to know somebody who has depression. And the third thing is it's part of this broader campaign that I'm involved in that you kindly mentioned, the campaign to change the way that we think about mental health and talk about mental health. It's got a lot of ringing celebrity endorsements and people have obviously been moved by the book, but it is, it is quite a tough read, isn't it? I mean, conversations with your psychiatrist and, as you say, you reveal your family history. It, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not light, is it? I know it's not meant to be, but it's, uh, you know... Well, it's, no. I get that, but I did a I did um, Simon Mayo's books podcast the other day, and he said, "Look, I hope this isn't I hope this isn't an inappropriate thing to say, but I did laugh out loud at several points. It's not it's not a misery memoir. It tries to be hopeful, but yeah, it's a serious subject. But I think it's a subject whose time is coming, and I think particularly with, with COVID, I think the mental health implications of COVID, particularly with the recession coming, are massive, and I don't think as a country we've really got our head around it yet." And I just want to, I want to use the book to carry on trying to break down the stigma and the taboo around mental health so that actually people don't feel weird talking about it. And, and it just becomes like, you know, talking about whether you've got a cold or a broken leg or you've got asthma, you know, it's, it's just an illness. And some people get in, some people don't. Yeah. Just to let everybody know, 67 for three now, Owen Morgan has just gone in that final one day between England and Australia. Um, and it's interesting, we spoke to uh, Graham Fowler, the, the former England cricketer, a little while ago. Yeah, I know Graham very yeah, well. Yeah, and, we, and mm. we spoke to Graham, and, and you talk about, I don't know if it's a, a technique or, or a method or what you would call it, but you only admit that every day when you wake up, you, you try and you mark the day one out of ten. You get a feeling very, very early on wow. whether the day is going to be a... Uh, you said it's never a, it's never a ten. Oh, no, it's, it can't, it, if, it's, if it's a ten, it's very bad. Uh, if it's a one, it's absolutely perfect, and, and hopefully it's neither one of those. But um, Graham did a very, very similar thing. Is, is it a helpful thing to do, you think, to try and assess your initial mood at the start of a day and, and then let you manage it? I find it very helpful, and, 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 and I mean, I, I talk to Graham quite a lot, and Graham's also written a book about his, mm. 
about his struggles. And uh, he, he's, uh, I mean, he's a great guy, Graham, and he's, he's, he's very, very open. And like me, he, he kind of gets out there and tries to change the conversation. But my one is unattainable because that's kind of delirium, really. I mean, two and three is my max. And that's when I'm sort of manic, which is not great. Two is not great because it means I'm manic. Three and four is where I kind of like to be because it means I've got loads of energy and drive and I, and I feel I can achieve things and I'm just broadly very, very happy. Five is, I guess, stable. Then six, seven, eight is what I call the downhill slalom. Nine is can't get out of bed. And ten is what I don't also don't give myself ten because ten is what I give to people who who take their own life. So, mm. and does it help? It really, really helps me. I and mean, it's just a, it's not a big thing. It's just like every morning when I wake up or when I'm brushing my teeth or shaving or whatever, I'll literally just in my head, I'll say, so how are you? And I give myself the number. And what it does is it warns me if I'm either too close to one, in which case I'll be saying to myself, just try to calm down a bit. Hmm. Or if I'm at the other end, I've got loads of strategies now that I, I use. Now, they don't always work. And I mean, I had a very bad plunge in lockdown. They don't always work, but hmm. sometimes they do. In fact, I'd, I'd say increasingly often, the strategies that I've now got tend to keep me in an okay place. Today, a very good example. I felt a little bit down this morning and... You know, my partner Fiona and I, we, we, we go swimming every morning in the Lido on Parliament Hill. And part of me said, oh, I might just give it a miss today. And then because of giving myself that number, sort of four slash getting a bit too close to five, I said, no, swim will be good for me. I'll go and do it. And it was. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, the, people find it difficult to reconcile uh, something that is this debilitating generally with the, the way you operated, the way you functioned at such a high level in mm. government in such a pressurised job. Yeah, I get that. But then I think that what, what Fiona says in her chapter about living with me is that I think she thinks that in the old days, I used to bury my depressions in alcohol and subsequently I would, I would perhaps bury them in work. Now, the first thing to say is most of the time I'm absolutely fine. Most of the time I'm kind of, you know, between two and five mm. and I'm very productive and very energetic and so forth when I go over that line and I get depressed I can still function most of the time but I'm just not not as on it as I as, as I might be mm. and the thing that you've got to do in those circumstances I was very lucky when I worked in in politics I had a really really good boss and I had a really good team around me and the boss Tony Blair was kind of understanding and the team around me, I felt I could be open with them, sufficient to say when I just wasn't really feeling up to having, you know, a day absolutely crammed full of meetings or whatever it might be. So that, you, you know, there's no different to any other walk of life. You just then have to sort of prioritise a little bit. And then if you get really bad, you maybe just have to, you know, take a day off. And that's what I, what I say is it's it's no different in that, in those circumstances to you know, taking the day off because you got flu or because you fell down the stairs or whatever it might be. Uh, and finally, mm. we mentioned this, a couple of pages dedicated to your love of uh, of Burnley and the, and the important part, you say, it plays in your well-being. Football mm. connects me to a bigger community close to my roots. It gives me highs and lows and wonderful memories of triumph and setback 
alike. It's interesting, isn't it? You would think, you know, if things aren't going well for a team, I think some of us all get sucked into that. We can get a bit down when our team take a bit of a thrashing or they're relegated or they've got issues. But you, you, can, you can accept the highs and lows of football without it being a problem. Mm. Well, I'm I'm in a really lucky position. I mean, I've followed Burnley for almost 60 years now. I've got really good friends that are both either in and around the town, but also I've been lucky enough to meet and get to know a lot of the managers and the players. And I'd say Sean Dyke is a good friend and Stan Turnant's a good friend. Paul Fletcher is who I stay with when I go up there. And so I feel very blessed in that. Um, but yeah, it's not just about the football for me. And you know what I noticed is during lockdown, when lockdown first started and I did a piece for the New European about the 20 things I miss most about lockdown. And the first one I said was football. But then when I thought about it, it's not football, it's Burnley. <laughs> and I've, I've also noticed since the football came back that apart from the European games, I'm not watching nearly as much football as I was without the crowds. Because I think it's actually, it's, it's the whole thing that football means to you that's so important to me. And... I just, you know, I, the, the, the weekends at the moment, they're just not the same because weekends for me are getting on the train at nine o'clock, getting to Burnley, meeting Paul Fletcher, going to the ground, mm. seeing the people I always see, watching the game. And I'm not like football people. I mean, I know you guys, you will have a memory for football that is extraordinary. I don't have that. I have an incredible memory for mood and atmosphere and the feelings that the thing engenders. Um, and yeah, I, whenever you know the book, um, you've obviously read it. Which I'm thank thank you for that. When you get to the end of the book, and the, I talk about my jam jar, which is kind of all the different mm. things that I, I try, the strategies that I use for my own mental health. And sometimes when I talk about this in public, people laugh when I say Burnley, but it is an important part of my mental health. Yeah. Not they're winning and losing, although I want them to win, obviously, and I love it when they do. And you know. The one time in my life when, when I really, really will let myself go 1,000% in a public place is when we score a goal. Mm. I, go, I, just, I don't even know where I am anymore. I'm so kind of in it. Mm. But that, to me, is that's, a, that's just part of this bigger relationship. And, and that's why I love football, because I, I love what that connection to that place and that club gives me. And, you know, I always say to people who support Man City these days and, you know, Chelsea and Man United and Barcelona and Real Madrid and these sorts of clubs, I don't think you get as nearly as much out of it as I've had from actually seeing us beat Orient to stay in the league, winning, you know, getting battered 4-1 at Hartlepool, but then the next week, you know, winning at Torquay. I think you need the ups and downs in sport just as you do in life. Yeah. Uh, Alistair, uh, good to talk to you. I appreciate you joining us. We wish you well with the book. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. We kick off by asking the question, what is it about Ashington? Uh, the amount of people it's turned out uh, from uh, the world of sport is quite spectacular, really. Jackie Milburn, the Charlton brothers, yeah. uh, her old mate Steve Harmison, to name but a few. And our next guest, who we chat to because the US Open starts tomorrow and he's back at winged foot. And he, of course, back in the day, 2006, when it was last year, he led the field at one point. Uh, Kenneth Ferry joins us. Good afternoon, Kenneth. How are you doing? What is it about Ashington? Is it what is it? Something in the something in the water? Have you looked into it? I have no idea. It's, it's a very bizarre one. There's uh, there's so many kind of little towns round by round about that are no different to Ashington. But yeah, like I say, Ashington have that uh, very long list and a, a list that I feel very privileged to be mentioned on. But like I say, the Charlton's and Harmy, it's uh, it's quite impressive. Yeah. yeah, it's only got a population of 27,000, so it's for a quite high rate. Yeah, there's probably somebody out there doing a study on it and finding <laughs> out. You'll have the boffins descending on the place to produce a load of elite <laughs> athletes. Now, of course, you've, the phone's been ringing off the hook, I would imagine, uh, over the last few days. Now it's back at, at Wingfoot. It was not It was an amazing story from your point of view, wasn't it? I mean, when you went into that US Open uh, back in 2006, what were your expectations? Uh, obviously, it was it was kind of going into the unknown. I'd never played a I'd never played a US Open before, and obviously seen the horror stories of uh, of Shinnecock a couple of years before. So I was kind of hoping for the best, but expect not expecting the worst. But kind of just uh, just I had no idea. It was just kind of a, a go and see what happened. And obviously, going in the first goal was just to to make the cut. Obviously, be there for the weekend, and then just just see what see where I went from there. What was it like looking up on the leaderboard and seeing seeing yourself at the top? Did it yeah. did it did it get to you? Did it did it kind of sort of tweak the old nerves a bit or not? Eh, not 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 really. I I always say to people when I was when I was playing well and when I was doing well and 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 I was I was confident. I, I enjoyed being in those positions. My my kind of career when I when I my my good weeks I had were normally at the bigger events when there were bigger crowds and there were the better players were there. And it was just more of a buzz. I I always found it hard to play when there was. When it was one of the smaller crowds in a in a, in a smaller country, so it, it it's obviously the pinnacle of the pinnacle of professional uh, golf to to a U.S. Open or one of the majors anyway. But uh, a U.S. Open in New York, uh, it kind of doesn't really get any bigger than that, really. So you'd have a bit of sympathy for these players who are not enjoying this golf without fans. It is quite hard, isn't it? 
Yeah, definitely. Like I say, I, I think it can be. It could work both ways. I think there's a lot of people who don't enjoy the crowds and kind of get can get overawed by it a little bit and are happy just kind of being in the sidelines. But there's a lot of the, a lot of other players. I think Rory's been very vocal about it that Rory feeds on the crowd. I think all the guys that the modern day guys that hit it 400 yards. I think they they enjoy the crowd and it helps them kind of get pumped up and they kind of feed off that down the stretch. And it's it's kind of hard when you. Uh, I always think when you're down the stretch having that little bit of adrenaline actually helps and without the crowd giving you that buzz it can you can kind of get caught twixt in between this is a really attritional course as you found back then and you know everybody's played it it wasn't the worst it's ever played in a major tournament there's more infamous championships but still i mean the the expectation really this week is that the, the winner's a pretty good chance the winner will be over par I, I would I would take a punt and say it will be. I know the course has been lengthened since we played. Uh, I think they the redid some greens a few years back as well, so I, I haven't really seen what it's like. But if it's set up, if it's if they set it up with the narrow fairways and the graded rough the way it was in 2006, uh, it I would like I say at this time of year it's going to be a little bit softer because obviously we normally play in the middle of June. It's now end of September, so it's going to be a little bit softer. It'll play longer. But in turn, the rough will be a lot thicker as well. So I, I would, if I, if I was playing and I hadn't seen the golf course and you offered me level par, I would just stay at home and take my chances. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do, you think, do you think that club golfers prefer a tournament like this where they see the big guys really struggling? Or do you think they like it when it's 15 under par, the winner, that sort of idea? Well, a balance, right, ideally, don't you? Yeah, really? I suppose so, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think uh, like, when, when obviously you, you talk to you talk to kind of the normal go- normal guys at the golf club, and I think a lot of them get bored of the twenty five under. I think when they see the US Opens, when they're seeing them play, they're seeing the best players in the world banging their heads. They kind of it sounds funny, but they kind of relate to that. They they struggle on a daily basis on a normal golf course, and to watch us struggle on a big golf course, I think it kind of. It, it makes them realise they play, play a very similar game to us, just obviously we're, we're at a, a slightly better level. So. Reading some quotes from Rory, he's not getting too hung up on the course. He, he said, you know, he said, I don't think it's in the realms of goofy golf, good shots here seem to get rewarded. And we were chatting about this thing, the, the nappy factor, Kenneth, this thing that new dads when they're playing golf, um, they just kind of get quite relaxed. They've got other things on their mind and they play their better golf. But I saw... Uh, Paul McGinley saying he thinks Rory's better when he's got a point to prove rather than being relaxed. He's better when he's sort of quite het up when he's playing. Yeah, it's, it's the same again. It's, it's, you can read, obviously, stats are, a, stats are an interesting thing. And in golf, there's a stat about a stat about a stat about a stat. And mm. like I say, you, you could go, you could read, read whatever you want into whatever you want. But like I say, Rory's... When Rory's on, he's arguably, well, probably is the best player in the world at the minute, and it just depends what Rory turns up. Like I say, he turns up some weeks and looks, he looks driven. Other weeks, I've, I've watched a little bit of the golf, and he looks, I wouldn't say disinterested, but the, the fire isn't there, and maybe it's the crowd not being there. It doesn't feel, I, it's a million and one things. It's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to know. Only, only Rory can kind of answer that question. Uh, and finally, I've, I've had a couple of quid on John Rama's eye on a, in a few majors. It's going to happen for him in the end. <laughs> because he is, he's a big hitter, isn't he? I mean, they, people keep saying they feel this is a course that will could suit the big hitters, but um, I've seen others, Matsuyama and Tony Fennell, tipped up. Who do you fancy? It's, it's such a hard one now. There's, uh, the, I mean, back, back when 2006 it was there, uh, like I said, it was well not nailed on, but it was. Uh, I don't know what the odds were, but Phil would have been a massive favourite going in. Mm. There's there's so many great players now. The top, I mean, I think well, virtually anybody in the field is probably capable of, of winning. But 
the, the likes of, it's hard to look past Dustin, the way he's been playing the last few weeks in the FedEx. Justin Thomas will be there or thereabouts. Uh, it, Bryson DeChambeau, if he drives at half decent, the length he's hitting it now, he's going to overpower. He could overpower the course, depending on how they set up, how firm the greens are. It's it's so hard to pick one person now. I, I think uh, it, it's like I say, it could be one of any any of twenty yeah. or thirty. Really, it's just such a such an open field nowadays. Going to be interesting. Kenneth, good to talk to you. All Thanks, the best. Ken. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Thank you. Kenneth Ferry there, the man who led at wing foot last time. It was there in 2006 and uh, tied sixth in the yeah, end. I quite like your John Rahm theory. That's it. Well, keep backing him. Eventually, I, it's got to come well, off. Well, he's, he's, he's going to get a major in the end. And, you know, he, he seems to be putting pretty well. But I reckon the greens are... He knows uh, you're two quids on him. Be, <laughs> oh, I've gone be... big time. I've gone, I've gone, I've gone for the big whole time. fiver. I've gone for the whole fiver. <laughs> it's incredible. You know, look, I'll back him. But I don't think sports psychologists would be saying somebody's had a fiver on you for yeah, this. Yeah. They could win nine to one. He's not stunning odds because he has been playing, been putting well, and he obviously he hits big and stuff. But yeah, it's who good. knows? It sounds like a beast of a course. I mean, it's going to be quite exciting to watch. Yeah, it should difficult be, should to be play. Good. Definitely. Is this the first major post lockdown? Am I going mad, or is there another one? Is there, I think it's the second, second one. Yeah, maybe yeah, it's the we've got second. a couple kind of hot the on, still to come, hot on the it? heels. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, hey Paul and Andy, Bob Bubka. <laughs> We'll be keeping you in touch with that when it gets underway uh, tomorrow <laughs> Bob, Bob, Bob. and throughout the weekend. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Hawksby and Jacobs here on Talk Sport. Uh, not many people can claim to be a triathlete uh, no. and a competitive eater. In fact, our next guest is number two competitive eater in the British Eating League. Well, that's a fine achievement. His uh, latest challenge involved 8,000 calories um, 18 pies, seven portions of mash and liquor within 43 minutes. Uh, we salute Max Stamford. Good afternoon, Max. Hi, hi there. How's it going? That's well, yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, that. When did you? When did you do this? Was it recently? Or yeah, so I did it last Friday actually. Um, right. So yeah, I just went to Mandy's Pie and Mash Shop oh, yeah. in Peckham and, and and wanted to try out the challenge. Uh, um, you, had you been in Man? Had you been to Mandy's before? Is it a regular haunt of yours? Yeah. Or? Yeah, it is, it is. So I grew up in South London and my dad's from the old Kent Road. So uh, before match days, used to go down there quite a lot. So I've been doing quite a lot of uh, like comparative eating, but it's been a lot up north. I've been doing things like Yorkshire pudding eating and things like that. And I thought it'd be quite nice to do something quite southern. Uh, so oh, yeah. I couldn't think of something more traditional than mm. pie and mash really and liquor. Your athletic roots came out in this quote in the paper this morning. You said you got through the first 14 pies in half the mash and liquor in 20 minutes, and then I hit the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you really do, yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was a pretty big quantity. Well, yeah, I mean, is it? how did it compare with other things like the Yorkshire puddings and stuff you've eaten to go through that? I mean, that's a lot. Stodgy, so it? much stodge, isn't there, in the pies, in, in the, the mash. mash? I mean, yeah. it's... yeah. yeah. And there's two different sides of comparative eating. There's like the speed side. So mm. yeah, so I've done I've done things like Yorkshire pudding eating contest, uh, where it's like I did 57 Yorkshire puddings in like three minutes. And then these types of challenges, <laughs> just huge ones where you've got, you know, loads. So I've, I've done like a, a two and a half kilo, kilogram burger in like 30 minutes, but that was really big. So it's kind of pacing yourself and, and just trying to get through it really. But the speed is is, is kind of critical with it all really because you. You want to get through it before you start to get really full, really. Um, but it's a lot of training, kind of at, like fitness capacity-wise, but also kind of yeah, doing eating, you know, training for eating food really as well. 
It seems crazy Brilliant. that it sounds like, you know, you use some of the sensibilities and disciplines you have uh, athletically as a triathlete into competitive eating. It, it, seems, it seems at odds, doesn't it? You know, triathlons and uh, stuff in your face with pie and mash seem <laughs> on the face of it at odds with themselves. Do you see any kind of similarities? Um, yeah, definitely. It's all about kind of dedication and training, really. I know lots of people probably don't think that uh, like competitive eating is, is kind of a sport, but you definitely need to take the... The idea is what you you know amateur kind of and professional athletes do into it. So mm. I train a lot for it. I train a lot for kind of fitness uh, beforehand. I do I do a kind of the reason I fell into it really. I did lots of restaurant challenges um, and just uh, it, because I wanted to bulk up in the gym and kind of go to do you know put on some muscle in the gym and then um, just fell into it and then wanted to um, just kind of carry on and do lots of kind of and you do lots of cardio and things around it to make sure that you've got enough kind of that you've got a calorie deficit and mm. then also kind of a lot of training around the actual eating as well so kind of um lots of capacity training so lots of eating lots of like fruit and veg beforehand uh, and things like that and just kind of getting used to speed eating because it is definitely a, a kind of skill to to get to do to yeah. do speed eating, really we always cover the uh, Coney Island hot dog uh, competition yeah. in July. Yeah. In July, it's the Olympics. It's the World Cup of competitive eating. Have you got any ambitions to take part in that? Um, I'm, I'm very much an amateur. I kind of do this as a hobby uh, mm. around the sides, really. I, I kind of just want to um, do it more for um, kind of raising awareness that you can kind of be lead a healthy lifestyle, but also kind of eat kind of cheap meals. My cheap meals are a bit extreme, but you know you can eat cheap meals and generally raise awareness as well for kind of i do quite a lot of these events and, and if i make any money i do it kind of give it to charity and things like that so kind of raising awareness for kind of food poverty and things like that oh, so i think that's quite that's important I, i'd want to do it more amateur but um yeah i mean if i could do it amateur and still still kind of do it professionally that would be great but um but no i'm not i'm not at the scale of the kind of we have a couple of professional eaters here but the thing is we don't have like a professional uh, like eating, we didn't have a professional eating league. And no. so I've been working, I've been kind of going up and doing these events that have been set up um, through the British Eating League. Um, and that's just started to kind of come on board now. So yeah, so so that's it's been really good actually to kind of get it a bit more mm. kind of out there and to get people, raise awareness of it really. How did you realise you had this skill, this gift to eat <laughs> lots or quickly? <laughs> Um, I've fallen into it really, and um, so as I said, I kind of did a couple of restaurant challenges. I think the big thing was last year um, at this place called kind of Man versus Food in London. They mm. put on like restaurant kind of challenges, a bit like the Man versus Food that you watch on the TV show yeah. with Adam Richmond mm -hmm. and people like that. And um, I, I did a, I did the challenge, and I did it really fast. And they said, "Oh, you've actually been entered into this charity event to compete with." kind of professional eaters like Lair Shakiva and, and Carl Gibson. So I went down and kind of met them, which were kind of a bit like my idols, and then I just kind of fallen into it. And it's it's the same thing with like practicing like uh, just running or anything like that. You just you just start to get good at it. If you do it enough, you know, and these events get put on kind of, you know, every couple of weeks, you get you get good at it. I kind of didn't get to um I make the analogy a little bit with uh, lockdown, like with all gyms and stuff closed and couldn't really change triathlons. I just started to really pick up running. So I started, I actually ran my first marathon uh, in lockdown, just, just running around the place and did it in like an, three hours and 38 minutes. And wow. that was just me training loads and loads of running. And, and that's the same, it's the same thing with competitive eating. If you train a lot for it and are dedicated, you, you know, you can, you can, you can go pretty far, which is what, what's happening to me at the moment. It's I'm definitely just an amateur.
Mm. Amazing. Um, the, uh, we spoke to Johnny Brownlee last week, and uh, mm. we thought the idea the, of adding an eighteen pies. No, but the idea minutes. of adding a fourth <laughs> a fourth discipline that would be quite good. Yeah. Yorkshire puddings <laughs> would work very well with with him and his brother. So maybe like in between. Maybe after the after the swim, <laughs> after the oh, you really want to get a idea. stitch after the swim, um, fifty hundred Yorkshire puddings, then you jump on the bike. What do you think? Oh, that would yeah. Oh, I don't know because I, I usually <laughs> I usually like don't eat a lot beforehand. No. I'm pretty hungry, but um, that might be a bit full. But I definitely think you know it's, it is entertain it's sport, but it's also entertainment as well. Yeah. And I think it can be combined with a lot of you know entertainment. That the goal of the British Eating League is to you know have a, have a stadium have a football you know you know at the stadiums when everyone's back hopefully yeah. and then have a have an eating contest in the break you know in in the half time slot and things <laughs> like that so you know things like that i think it's i think it's good i think if you're raising awareness you know doing it for charity and and, and people are aware of the fact that you you can you know you can have a cheat meal you can do these things um as long as you kind of are quite healthy around the and train around around the outside of it. And, and finally, mm. next up is a hundred Greg sausage rolls. We understand what's what time have you <laughs> no, set? No, no, <laughs> no. no. Uh, so it's it's a Greg sausage roll on Friday. So these are the things now. So what one British eat, just uh, one? So it's, it's, oh, no, 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 no. So it's going to be it's going to be like a family feast. It'll be a, okay. It'll probably be about ten to fifteen items, but. That's on the Friday night. And then on the Saturday night, we've got to eat, see how many Oreos we can eat in five minutes. We're going to try and beat the world record. So okay, well, it's, about, it's about 78 um, for a world 78 in, in a minute, somebody said. No, no, in, in five minutes. Oh, in five so minutes. I think, well, I think so. that's definitely eatable. It's yeah. definitely beatable. So, yeah, but that's the whole thing. It's back <laughs> to back now. So you've got, you've got things where we've got to, you know, train hard because you've got a couple of days of eating contests. But, um, oh. but yeah, that's, that's, but those are the next ones. Up. I've, and, yeah, I've learned a lot in the last Man's five used to do a vegan version <laughs> made with soya mints. I don't know if you went for the meaty mints version. Did you, yeah, the... I, I did, I did. But you can get the, the vegan. I've done a, a vegan burger challenge, actually, and that was nicer than the burgers, um, oh. like than regular yeah. burgers. So, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, look, lovely to talk to you. Keep up, keep you up too, the good work. Uh, thank you very thank much. Thank you, Max. All the best. No, thanks very much. Thanks. There we are. Max Stamford, man, he, he's got it all sussed, doesn't he? He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's losing the weight, he's training, he's looking after himself, marathon in under three and a half hours, yet he can see off 18 plates of pie and mash. Then he had any of the eels. <laughs> yeah, the eels might be tough going, might oh. they really? I'm not, yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. The Talk Sport Clips of the Week. No, it's not Friday, but um, as we've been telling you, an old box of mini discs emerged with some old clips from back in the 2002. These are from so uh, our, our producer has dated, given us. We've not listened to him. Has given us some new <laughs> intros. So again, we've not heard these since uh, February 2002. So Lord knows what's coming up in the next five minutes. But we bring them to you in good faith, and we kick off with Joe Dutch Holland, who was quite the star last week. He was getting very angry about the lead singer of U2. And I'll tell you one celebrity. I should have gone on the angry hour with this, but Bono is really starting to do my head in. He has got to be the most ridiculous pop star and the most annoying celebrity of the lot. The worst thing is, of course, his name. I mean, Bono. 
I bet his real name is something like George Stubbings or something really pathetic. It is actually George Stubbings. I don't know how <laughs> Dutch it, knew that. We do apologise to all the George Stubbingses <laughs> of this world for calling you pathetic, or back in 2002, anyway. Next, what's it's next, George then? Stubbs, the painter. No. Probably not. But. Here's Mike Parry bringing you the full-time score of Sheffield United versus Millwall. Sheffield United 3, Millwall 2. And as you quite rightly say, they got goals from It Love You in the 88th and 90th minute. <laughs> Peter, It Love You. <laughs> I love you. You're gorgeous. Peter, I love you. Um, staying with Mr Parry now, here he is talking about Arsenal's Champions League group. They can still make it, of course, but it's, it, that, is, that was originally called the Group of Death, Al, you know what I mean? Four very good teams in it, uh, Deporto De La Caruna, Arsenal, by Leverkusen and Juventus. Deporto La Caruna. Deporto La Caruna. That's fantastic, isn't it? Brilliant. Good old Mike. Back to Joe Dutch Holland now, chatting to a guest. Not many people go to church. No, they don't. It's all, you know... It's, it's so very boring, isn't it? They're obsessed with reading about sex in the papers. Um... You know, it's absolutely disgusting. It's mm. But do, do you not find it interesting just how hung up your average churchgoer and your average priest, your average vicar, your average pope even, mm. how hung up they are on sex? What's an average pope? What's your, what's your average pope? <laughs> sure there's only one, it's isn't it? Pope top trumps cards, <laughs> is there really? I mean, you can't call the pope average. That's what used to go on overnight. It probably still does. And here's uh, Alan Brazil trailing a regular guest on his breakfast show. Okay, we've got all the city news with Hank's Pots. That's coming next. Hank's Pots. Hank's Pots. I used to buy those. They're yeah, I used to buy those. Ceramics. They were Beautiful. very nice for all your pot needs. Alan sounds about 12 there. He does, Back doesn't he? to uh, Mr Parry now. And we think he's talking about a former Liverpool boss here. Following his heart surgery in October, uh, yep. Peter Houllier. A good old Peter, <laughs> Peter Gerard's <Hulier>. brother. <laughs> Peter Houllier, <laughs> uh, brother of. I think he's improved, actually. <laughs> And staying with Mike, after that Gerard Houllier effort, it's clear that he does struggle. I do struggle with those French names. Now, what we're going to be talking about after nine o'clock, Mr. Parry? Well, I'm afraid we are going to be talking about Thierry Henry because that's what everybody wants to talk about. We've been bombarded by phone calls, by emails, by communications. Everybody's got an opinion on Thierry Henry. <laughs> Thierry and Thierry. Is that Thierry, two people? Yeah. Well, they're very young Alan Brazil there. Are they? Very the wine young. has taken its toll, clearly. <laughs> now a youthful Adrian Durham, in fact, uh, alongside Laurie McMenemy, taking a call. Frank, a Newcastle fan, you must be gutted. <laughs> That's easy for you I, I, to say. <laughs> I knew what it did. I had a funny feeling with people and all. I mean, um, the Arsenal are a better side than that. Oh, I'm sick. But, um... Oh. <laughs> Laurie would have had to translate, I think, right? Most northeast man ever on the station. He would have had to translate. Incredible. And finally, this is one that has actually been played since. It's an old it's grey really a clip. It's something we just loved. Isn't it's it? a greyhound commentary that we've. I think it went back to two thousand and two. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, and uh, it was. It's a beautiful piece of commentary. Uh, go check this out. And they go down the far side. It's Heartland Frigid out in front from one Heartland Mystery. And they go down towards the third bend. Free absolutely hacking up. He's pulling clear with every stride. Free going to win this one very, very easily indeed. The form book's proved right again. Three wins it comfortably from one with six back in third. Six back in third. <laughs> Heartland <laughs> Mystery. Heartland. I wish he'd swallow Heartland that glass of water in not no, Heartland. Heartland Fridge and Heartland, Heartland Mystery. It's very confusing. There's a lot of Heartlands. It's the real Absolutely cracking up. It's we all real say that. Still, Heartland of Greyhound Racing. Anyway, there we yeah, are. There was some more fun. from uh, the, uh, the, the the barrel. And uh, <laughs> the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll bring you a few more scrapings from 2002. <laughs>
next week. Uh, but Andy, uh, in the meantime, anything else you want to talk well, about? I was telling you uh, that I, I follow Bob Harris on uh, Instagram. Whispering Bob. Whispering Bob. Oh, yeah, what a legend. And, uh, he is. Big Manchester and United. doing a thing called Albums He Couldn't Live Without and sort of introducing his fans to this music. And uh, yeah. he recommended one by Beth, Beth Nielsen Chapman. Oh, yeah, country I've heard of her. yeah, yeah. And it was a great album. So I just said, Oh, another winner, Bob. Thanks. And uh, oh, Beth Nielsen Chapman. Yeah. So, yeah. She's only gone and liked the comment. Has she given really? it a thumbs up? She's completed you, Andy, as, as a human being. Uh, and a, uh, yeah, it's amazing, isn't oh, it? I'm just I'm excited about it. So, that. are you, you going to strike up a, a little bit of a <laughs> conversation? <laughs> it's highly with, unlikely, uh, isn't it? Really, let's be Chapman. honest. Okay. I, I'm never found what a back three they were, though. Don't you remember? <laughs> oh, Beth Nielsen Beth, and Chapman. Beth Nielsen Chapman. They played as the three, the two wing backs <laughs> yeah. bombing on. What a, they were fantastic, weren't they? Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, I'm always fascinated when they do polls about people in Britain and what they think of life. Oh yeah. And they've just done a poll basically about the flu jab. Oh yeah. Quite important this year, obviously. Uh, one in five of us are not planning to have one. Well, that's fair enough. It's a choice. But this is the one that got me. Amazingly, according to a poll by Lloyd's Pharmacy, yeah. a similar number of us, one in five, don't think flu is contagious. It's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> How could you get through your life and not think that flu is catching? The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. There we are. That was this afternoon show. We're back tomorrow at one. Uh, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.